Amen. Uh, this week, you know, this, this is called what is normally called like Palm Sunday. And uh, it's where Jesus Christ rides into the city of Jerusalem on a young colt. And uh, he's greeted with cheers and hosanna and praise God to the highest. And he's, palm branches are laid down on the ground. And it's the, called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem of Christ. But it won't be but days later where he's bearing a cross, walking right back out of that city to a lonely hill called Golgotha. Our text this morning will be found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 23. But by way of introduction, notice with me mankind's horrible condition as depicted by David in Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. You don't need to turn to Psalm 14. Just, if you would, turn to Luke 23. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if these, if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You know, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, every person, with only one exception, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been born dead in their trespasses and sins. Romans 3.23 states, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul proclaims, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Sin has reigned from Adam to this very minute. Due to this sin nature that is in inherent man and women, they are without hope in themselves and are condemned because of it, justly deserving eternal death and hell because of their sins. Yes, human nature or the natural condition of mankind paints only a canvas of death and condemnation. But praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for pouring out His matchless loving grace upon mankind so that millions upon millions might come to the realization of Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. Knowing Christ as their Lord and Savior. A very important event took place almost 2,000 years ago just outside the walls of Jerusalem at a place known as Golgotha or the place of the skull. This is referred to most often today as Mount Calvary. Here on this hill, a perfect man, who was the son of the Most High God, gave his own life so that all those who would believe and trust in him might have eternal life. This morning, we want to take a look at three crosses that stood on Mount Calvary. The three crosses of Calvary. In Luke chapter 23, let's begin reading in verse 32. And there were also two others, malefactors, led with him to be put to death. And then when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, 
There they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they departed hence raiment, his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, the rulers also which with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he, glor he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. Let's look to our Lord in prayer. Our Father, we bow in your presence today with humble hearts and with hearts of such gratitude and thanksgiving and thankfulness, Lord, so that we cannot imagine what you did and what pain and suffering you took on our place on the cross of the cross that you bore our sins and our shame you the holy son of god we deserve that and you took it upon yourself for us father we thank you for all that you did for us on that cross the suffering and the salvation we have in placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for offering your one and only Son. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. The cross bears with it the resemblance of death. In these few verses, there are three crosses depicted. The sinner's cross, the believer's or the saint's cross... I just put the saints because it goes along with the S's. The sinner's cross, the saint's cross, and the Savior's cross. Let's first of all look at the sinner's cross. In verse 39, read again with me. And one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. This cross is a cross that's bound by sin. Sin has placed this wicked man on the cross, he's a criminal. He's a thief. He has broken man's law, but more importantly, he has broken God's law. And sin enslaves. There is no way out except by the grace of God. This man's cross is a cross of self-centeredness. Save thyself and us, or save me 
Not from my sin, but from the death on this cross. That's what he's asking. Save me from the suffering of this cross, if you can, and from dying on this cross. But believe me, this physical suffering and death is just but a taste of what is awaiting for him in eternity. Eternity waits for him, and because of his unbelief, and because of sin's condemnation, he is facing an eternity in hell. Can you imagine? He's already been there almost 2,000 years. This cross is one of unbelief. If thou be the Christ, save me. It's a cross that carries with it a very strong penalty, eternal death. Let's look at our an actual account of one who's facing eternal death and the passages provided for us in the gospel of Luke chapter 16 and it is the rich man who opens his eyes up and he's in torment. So look with us to Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid in his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into the Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them that they also come, that they, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they pers be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Because of sin, this man faced eternal damnation in hell. And because of the sin of the one on the, the thief on the cross who never placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he too faces an eternity in hell. It's a horrible cross, a cross of physical death, and it's also a cross that he will have to bear for eternity. It's a cross of torment that this man is facing. The second cross is a much better cross, not because of who's on the cross, but because of someone else in between. 
The second cross that we want to see here and notice this morning is that of the believer, or the saint's cross. He said Dost thou, to the other thief that's railing Christ, he said, Dost thou not fear God? Let's look now to Luke 23, verses 40 through 43 once again. Luke 23, verses 40 through 43. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee this day, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. This is a cross of repentance. He is sorry for his sins. He's there. He knows he's there. And he's there because he deserves to be there. And he's paying for the penalty of his sin. But that's just the one sin he got caught at. That's just a sin of thievery that he got caught at. There's thousands of other sins that he's committed. So place them on top of the one he's being crucified for. Place those on him. And yet, we know that they were taken from him who deserved death, who deserved penalty for sin, and they were taken from him and put on Jesus Christ. And he bore the sins for him on the cross of Calvary. Yes, this man had a cross of repentance. This man sees that he is getting what he deserves because of his sin, and he's acknowledging his sin. And it's also a cross of faith, believing in Christ to save sinners. He believed that Christ would be his forgiving king. Verse 42 states, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He recognizes Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords and knows that Jesus Christ has a kingdom and that he is God. Remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. It's a cross of great relief. Jesus told him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. No more suffering. No more heartache. All that you've done wrong has been forgiven. You are now a child of the King, a child of God. Christ reached over and took his heavy load of sin and placed them on himself. No longer is this man bound for hell, but instead bound for a glorious home in heaven. Because of sin, this man faced death by the cross. But it is because of grace, the grace of God giving him repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior that enables him to spend an eternity in heaven with God. The cross that has made the difference between these other two crosses is the one in the middle which separates life from death. Separates 
heaven from hell. Jesus Christ makes the difference. The Savior's cross is unlike the two thieves who were dying on the cross because of their sin. He was placed upon the cross as a perfect man. He had no sin. He was placed on the cross because of your sin and because of my sin. That's why Jesus was on the cross of Calvary. He was dying on our behalf and taking our punishment and our guilt upon himself. And the condemnation of God was placed and was poured out upon Christ on the cross of Calvary because of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you would turn with me in 2 Corinthians and let's look in chapter 5 of that book, reading verses 17 through 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given, us, given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God didn't beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We deserve the penalty of death, yet we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We deserve judgment, yet we receive grace and atonement. Thank God for what He's done on our behalf. The Savior's cross is also a cross of substitution. If you would, turn with me that blessed chapter of Scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 and read with us that chapter. This is a prophecy that Isaiah wrote many, many years, hundreds, thousands of years before Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. But it is of that substitution and that upset, of that sacrifice that Isaiah is writing about. And it's his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53, Who hath believed our report, in verse 1, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. 
And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and be satisfied by his, his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is a beloved passage of Scripture proclaiming the horrible stuff that Christ would go through, the the judgment that he would take, the penalty and the awfulness that he had to endure on the cross of Calvary. And prior to the cross, all the beatings that he took, the the cat of nine tails that he was whipped with, his beard plucked out, all the inhumane, that's what I call inhumane treatment that that Jesus Christ went through. And he did it because he was our substitute. He did it because he loves us. John 3, if you would turn in your Bibles to John 3, let's read verses 14 through 18. You know this is the story of Nicodemus, Jesus Christ witnessing to Nicodemus. John chapter 3. Let's begin reading in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. (coughs) Jesus died to save sinners. And I'm so thankful, because we are condemned to death in our natural state. But because of Christ, we are made alive. We are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It was a cross of divine substitution. It's also a cross of great humility. In your Bibles, turn with me now to Philippians chapter 2. And let's just read three or four verses there. Verses 5 through 8 of the book of Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 through 8. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God made flesh died for you. God made flesh was your substitute. He took upon him the form of a servant. He took upon him, he went from being, he, he, he did not leave his Godhead, he was still God. But he went from being God to taking upon man's flesh and now feeling our pain and our sufferings, feeling those things which he had not felt before, but he knew what people were going through because of the love he has for us, but he had not felt the pain because he was God. Now he's feeling human flesh, and he has human flesh wrapped around him, and he's feeling the pains that humans feel. But yet, he's still 100% God. He is the God-man. And he humbled himself, took upon him the form of a servant. He wasn't born in a family of riches. He was born to a carpenter and his wife. Of course, it was by a by a uh, supernatural birth, by the virgin birth of Mary. But he was born and made flesh. Then he suffered the beatings by cruel and vicious men. He even suffered the death on the cross. This is a cross of great humility. It's also a cross of divine love. John chapter 15, if you would, turn in your Bibles and let's just read two verses. In John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. If you have been a recipient of this love, you can truly say, I love Christ because he first loved me. No one will be able to be separated from the, such love that Christ has bestowed upon his children. We can't be separated from that love. Romans chapter 8 it declares this. In Romans chapter 8, let's look at verses 35 through 39. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us so. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This is also the Savior's cross as a cross of divine grace. It's unmerited. We don't deserve it. In fact, our sins condemn us to death. But it's a cross of divine grace, unmerited favor. There's a song that's been sung many, many times here in this congregation. It's called Marvelous Grace. Grace that pardons sinners. Grace that cleanses them from all their unrighteousness. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Romans 5.20 tells us that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's grace reigns over sin. It supersedes the abounding rate of sin. God's grace is so much greater than sin. And I'm so thankful that God's grace superabounded over my life of sin and redeemed me and called me from that wretched life to be made a child of the Most High God. This is a cross of divine forgiveness. Psalm 103 verse 12 states, As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. We are no longer held accountable for that sin because Jesus placed it upon Himself. Now, do we still sin? Yes, we do. And you, you better watch out. If you think, take sin lightly, you better watch out. Because sin is not to be taken lightly. Look what it did to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, for those who think we should take sin lightly, it says, God forbid... God forbid, because we are called to a higher calling. We are called to walk in newness of life. And if you're living continuously without caring about sin in your life, you better search your heart. Search your life. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us and He convicts us of sins that we do, sins that are wrong. We are convicted by the Holy Spirit. And we are told that we must repent of those sins and ask Jesus to forgive us of those sins that we've done wrong, even after we're saved. We, we are continuously asking for forgiveness of sin. But yet, we know that Christ paid the penalty for all of our sins on the cross of Calvary. There is a song that we've sung many times, and we'll close with this. It's called, There is a Fountain. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, Wash all my sins away. Have you been to the cross on your knees and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Have you asked Jesus to save you by his matchless grace? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day, 
and he will soon come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. While you're bowing before him, will he say to his father, Father, he trusted in me. Excuse me. Will he say to his father, he never, this one never trusted in me. Depart from me, you worker of evil, for I never knew you. Or will he say, Father, this one I know, I love, and I paid the price of sin for. I have shed my innocent blood for him or her and have covered his or her sins on the dark cross of Calvary. Therefore, receive them up into heaven in my name and let us fellowship with one another forevermore. We are so blessed by what Christ has done for us. Let us live for him. Let us honor him. Let us worship Him. He is due for all of our honor, all of our praises, all of our worship. And we so often just go on our daily lives not even thinking about Christ, not even thinking about God. Let's not let that be said of us as Christians, as believers. Let us always remember to pray. Let us always remember to trust in the Lord. Let us always remember to honor our Lord in all that we say and do. And when we do do wrong, which we do often, let us ask for forgiveness. Let us ask for forgiveness. And we know that when we ask for forgiveness, sometimes we are our worst enemies. We beat ourselves up more than others do. If we do things wrong and we know it, and we ask for forgiveness, know that God has forgiven us. He doesn't want us to beat ourselves up over it. He's paid the price for it. Continue living to bring honor and glory to Him, but don't live in shame. Don't live in depression or because of the sins that you've committed. Live righteously. Live holy. And ask Christ to forgive you of those sins and then continue on praising Him and living for Him.